Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Hey family, and welcome back to another episode here on GEMS Podcast. For those of you that are new to the space, I am the founder and host, Ms. Genesis Amaris Kemp. And for those seasoned listen- listeners, welcome back. Today in the hot seat with me is a very special guest by the name of Catherine Clematis. And she and I are going to be talking about school inclusion today. But before we jump into that, I'm going to tell you more about Catherine Clematis. She is a New Orleans-based artist and designer who sold her first watercolor at age 10. As the daughter of veterinarians, Catherine expresses her family's lifelong love of animals through her meticulous, lifelike paintings. She earned a BA from Loyola University in 2011 and today at age 33 runs her multifaceted business, KAK Art and Designs from Home. When clients learn that Catherine has osteogenesis imperfecta, also known as brittle bone disease, they are captivated by her unique perspective. She and her parents stopped counting her broken bones at 500 at age 10. She's two feet, seven inches tall, gets around in an electric wheelchair, and creates all of her art jewelry and commercial graphic designs while laying while lying on her side so Catherine is really defining the odd defining the odds she's being resilient she's doing so many incredible things and just because she is in a wheelchair does not mean that that is stopping her from achieving her maximum potential so without further ado let's welcome Catherine Clematis Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. My pleasure, Catherine. And wow, such an impressive background, and I can't wait to dive in. But we're going to jump into the fun part of the segment, which is the connection segment. So there are two options here. We can do either an icebreaker or a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? I think I want to try the rapid fire. Okie dokie, here we go. We're playing rapid fire with Catherine and Genesis. Do, 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 do. Question number one, favorite color? Blue. Question two, since you're in New Orleans, how do you say New Orleans? New Orleans. New Orleans, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's a freebie. And And bonus part to that question, do you love beignets? Oh, of course I love beignets. We have drive-through beignets here, so we love that. Huh. I'm gonna have yeah. to check that out next time I go to New Orleans because I've yeah. only been to Cafe Dumont. So Cafe Dumont has a drive-through in Metairie now. Yeah, mm. it's okay. amazing. <laughs> Question three: Favorite food? Lobster. Question four: If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Uh, flying. Question five. If you could trade places with anyone, who would it be? Probably a, any touring musician. Any any touring musician. 
Question six. If you could have lunch or dinner with any person, past or present, who would it be? Uh, Reba McIntyre. Ooh, okay. So I like challenging my, my guests. So I challenge you to do a two-week challenge. So you have to complete it within two weeks. Reach out to Reba McIntyre, whether it's her PR or you're sliding in her DMs and tell her why you feel like y'all will have great synergies having lunch together. How can you add value to her? How can she add value to you? And then just package it up nicely. So um, it's a win-win for both of y'all and just shoot your shot because either she's going to say yes, or she's going to say no, but you have nothing to lose. That's a great idea. Sure. I, I will definitely do that. Okay, so I know you really accepted the challenge. You have to screenshot me when you reach out. So I know you did it. Okay, I will do that. Question seven. You get three random acts of kindness per day for you to do for someone else. What are your three for today? Does this have any parameters on it? Like, like is, is money an object? Or is no. it something I actually have to be able to do? No, I would just, I'll let you pick and it could be okay. a wild card, just as long as you're doing three, three acts of kindness for someone else. Okay. I think just giving someone a smile and saying hello to somebody on the street. Um, I think that's always valuable. Um, paying for somebody's grocery bill. I think that would be very valuable, especially because money is so tight for everyone right now. Um, and rescuing another dog. Although I have no room to do that right now, but that would be, I mean, if, if there's no parameters, that would be my third. <laughs> Question eight, name something crazy that you have done in your life that actually turned out to be character building for you. Oh, uh, well, I like to travel to see live music. And so I, my friend and I drove to Wisconsin uh, four years ago, five years ago, and followed one of our favorite bands around Wisconsin and then into Chicago. And that was an incredible trip. Like I got to see so many things that I've never seen before. Um, it was probably the least amount of sleep I've ever gotten in my life um, in a, in a seven day period. Uh, but it was great. I mean, we, we had a great time. We uh, of course got to spend quality time together and met a lot of new people and just saw a completely different part of the country. And I think that's always character building. That's amazing and super cool. Question nine, what's a wild card factor about you, Catherine, that maybe not even your own audience knows, but it makes you uniquely you? Hmm. I'm pretty open. So I, I think my, my audience knows most, most things about me. Um, I'm kind of an open book. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have a wild card. Uh, I mean, I, I love animals. I love art. Um, I don't, I don't know that I have a wild art that is, you know, not something I've shared before. Um, 
Yeah. One, one thing, I mean, this is like a fun fact. Um, I, when I was 10, I really wanted to be a killer whale trainer. That's like a, that's a fun fact about me, which clearly would be a little bit difficult for me with my uh, physical situation, but I feel like they would probably see me as a small snack, but, um, <laughs> but there's a fun fact. Does that work? Yeah, we'll use that one. Okay. And question 10, it's our pass or play question, Catherine. And here are the rules. If you pass, our roles are reversed and you get to ask me a question. If you choose to play, I ask one last question to wrap up rapid fire. So do you want to pass or play? I will pass. Okie dokie. What's your question? What made you want to start this podcast? Losing my dad on November 25th, 2020 to medical negligence. And my dad and I were super, super duper close. He was like my best friend and always there. So not having him in my life was very hard. And I actually started out of grief. Um, I got tired of people's BS telling me that, oh, he's in a better place or he lived a good life or you didn't want him suffering when in actuality, they didn't really know how I feel, how I felt, especially even though they say, they said, I know how you feel. And I'm like, you possibly can't because both of your parents are still living. And I just lost one of mine. So when you lose a parent, then you could tell me, you know how I feel. So, and, and I know it came off as rude and very blunt and direct, but those are not something that you should uh, say to someone that's grieving, especially if you haven't walked in their shoes. Kind of like if I were to tell you, oh, Catherine, I know, I know how you feel, or I know what you went through. I may have some parallels, but I don't know exactly what you went through because I'm not going through the same exact thing. I can sympathize and be empathetic and et cetera, and be that sounding board. And I think sometimes people just don't know what to say and that's okay. So that's the long-winded answer why I started this podcast. And every time I hit a milestone, I do it for, for my dad, but I also do it to show my um, nieces and nephews and the younger generation that you don't have to just be one way. You can be multifaceted and do multiple things that you're good at and be true to yourself. That's a great answer. I also lost my dad early. I was 23. And um, I mean, I can relate to that. You know, I can relate to people saying, oh, I know how you feel. And they really don't, you know, they really have no idea. So yeah, I totally relate. That's a great answer. So thank you for playing rapid fire, Catherine. Now we're going to segue into the main part of our segment, which is the topic school inclusion. So Catherine, let's talk a little bit about your background and we're going to build up to where you are now, because I think it's important to highlight that because going to, going to school and in your bio, you mentioned dealing with brittle bone disease. Uh, breaking 500 bones by the age of 10 and et cetera, that had to be hard for you personally, as well as your family. So can you give us a synopsis into your childhood? Yes. So I was born, I, I was very lucky because I was born to a family who uh, were predominantly medical professionals. So um, my parents are veterinarians. My dad, as I said, passed away several years ago, but, um, but both of my parents were veterinarians and my grandfather is an MD. And so um, that was very helpful, obviously having a major disability. 
Um, so I uh, was born with 11 broken bones. My parents found out I had osteogenesis imperfecta two weeks before I was born um, and showed up on an ultrasound. And yeah, I broke a lot of bones. I mean, when I was younger, um, I broke more than uh, after I hit puberty, which is kind of one of the normal uh, aspects of this disease is once you hit puberty and you get that surge of hormones that helps your bones to be a little bit stronger. Uh, they're still not strong, but they're a little better. And so, you know, it was not uncommon for me to go to school with my arm bandaged or my leg bandaged or with a couple of broken ribs. But my parents always made sure that school was, you know, in my eyes, it was a good thing. I wanted to go to school. I was mad when my mom made me stay home because I had too many broken bones. Um, I was one of those really nerdy kids who loved school because I was good at school. And it was something I could actually do uh, just like my peers. And so my parents, uh, they knew I was really smart and I was really bored and, and I was driving them completely insane by the time I was like a year old because I was speaking in complete normal, smart sentences. You know, everything was in context and I was very demanding. You know, I wanted to go places and be shown things because again, I was bored and I didn't get my first wheelchair until I was two. And so, you know, up until then, they had to take me places and move me around and, you know, show me the things I wanted to see. And so they got me into like a twos and threes program as soon as humanly possible. <laughs> and, um, and then I went to a private Episcopal school for grade school and then a, a public high school and then college afterwards. Um, and during all of those years, except my senior year in high school, and, and I'm sure in college too, um, I was the only person in a wheelchair in my school. So I was different, but I was included as much as possible. So I, uh, you know, of course I had special accommodations. Um, one thing about me is I lay down to do a lot of my daily activities. So even drawing and painting, but basic things like eating and drinking and writing and, you know, taking notes and that kind of thing, um, I lay down. And so I needed a, a table to lay down on in the classroom. Uh, I had to have an aide with me. So that had to, you know, they had to take that into account. I wasn't ever in the halls with all the kids because <laughs> I'm right at backpack level. So, you know, kid swings around with a backpack and smacks me right in the face. You know, <laughs> had that happened many times. Um, and that's not good when you break bones. That's not a good thing to happen. So yeah, I mean, I had certain accommodations, but I was included as much as possible, which was beneficial for me because, you know, I grew up around adults. I had to. I had to have an adult around me all the time, whether it was my aide or my parents or another family member or a friend's parent, you know, I had an adult with me all the time. And so up until the time I went to school, I was not really around kids. And I had no idea how to interact with somebody my own age, you know, because I was used to having adult conversations. And most, most four-year-olds, you know, 
don't have that. <laughs> and of course there are some, but like as a rule, you know, that they're not having to do that. And so the social aspect I got from going to school was incredibly valuable to me. But then also the kids around me learned that just because somebody looks different doesn't mean you treat them any differently. And Absolutely. that, I, yeah. And that I think is where the value of school inclusion really comes in is, you know, I have a really good friend who I've stayed friends with since we were six. I mean, we went to first grade together and we've been best friends since then. And she says all the time, you know, you were just Catherine. You weren't the girl in the wheelchair. You weren't, you know, the weird one. You weren't, you were just Catherine. And yeah, you had some special stuff, but that's just part of who you were. And it wasn't a big deal for us. And so now that they're adults, they don't stare at people in wheelchairs in public. You know, they know how to walk up to somebody in a wheelchair and talk to them instead of the person with them. Um, and they know how to act. And I think having that experience as a child, being around me is, is why they have that ability. Amazing. And thank you for sharing that, Catherine. And um, one thing I, I want to ask, are you the only child just out of curiosity? Yes, I am. Okay. I have five dogs, but, and they are treated like children. So, you know, there's that, but yes, I am the only child. Okay. So being the only child in the home, the, uh, a lot of attention was focused on you and then not, yeah. not having anyone else like your age in the home also gave you advancements because that is why you interacted with so many adults the way you did. So you were advanced. But then I also like the fact that you talked about when you went to school, even though you were the only one, they still made you feel included because they did different uh, different things to accommodate you being in a wheelchair and then just make sure that you had exactly what you needed. And I know nowadays, um, some things have changed in the schools. Like there's more schools that have ADA, ADA accessibilities and different yeah. stuff like that. But one thing that I recently noticed, and I'm, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not an expert in this, um, Catherine, is whenever I was in high school, so I graduated in 2009, so I'm dating myself a little bit, they had um, classes for special needs and um, children that ha that needed ADA and, and et cetera, and now they have populated those students into the main classrooms, and in my opinion, from the outside looking in, that could either be an advantage or a disadvantage because sometimes those children need to have more accommodations than other children who are who are not going through something similar and they may not necessarily get all the attention that they're due to so I don't know if you've seen that based on any of the work that you're doing within the school inclusion scope yeah I, I have seen that a little bit um I think so what you're talking about is that they have populated these kids into a regular classroom like all day long as a as yeah and see that i don't think that's the way to do it um when i was in school i was populated into the regular classroom during like classes but during uh like pe i can't do pe i mean i can't be around you know flying tennis balls and you know and volleyballs and whatever and 
kids running. Like I couldn't do that. And so during PE, I had other things to do. You know, they would come up with some other kind of activity, which was, you know, reading or um, I think I had an exercise class one year that was specially tailored for me, which I'm pretty sure I hated. But anyway, um, <laughs> but I had but I had other things, you know, they came up with other activities for me because that was just not something I could take part in. It was not safe for me to take part in that. Now, here, I mean, I'm not sure how it was when you grew up, but in New Orleans, when you when you say special ed class, you mean kids with mental disabilities as a rule. Um, yeah, so they have... Just, Oh, Go sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, they do have mental mental disability and challenges. There are some who are in uh, wheelchairs. There are some that have different forms. So, um, different forms of com of complexities outside. And I don't know if I'm saying that right. So please correct me because I want to make sure that I'm using the actual terminology because I don't want to be offensive here. Um, yeah, they had yeah. other other forms of complexities that they needed help that was not just a one uh, a one ratio with one one teacher right. to like 30 40 students or however right. many are in the classroom but they had multiple aides and teachers to assist these children right and that's great um it's 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 unfair to the kids to put them in a position where they just can't be included you know, like if you have a kid with a mental disability, you don't put them in an advanced placement class in high school. I mean, it just, it doesn't work. They, they're set up to fail, you know, and that's not fair to them. It's not fair to the teacher. It's not fair to the other kids in the classroom. And so I, I feel like it needs, and, and I think schools are getting better about this. It needs to be on an individual basis. You know, you evaluate the kid and figure out like what they could possibly be included in and include them in as much as possible. Like one thing my parents did was when my class went on a field trip that I couldn't do like hiking or something like that. Uh, like there was a hiking one that I couldn't go on. My mom took me to a nature center at the same time that my class went hiking and I got to bring a couple of friends with me and I learned the same thing that I would have learned hiking, but I learned it in a different way. So, you know, I mean, there are ways to, to get around this. Now, you know, I, it's, I mean, I'm saying that and I'm sitting in my house in, you know, air conditioner, comfortable, whatever. There's not enough money. I mean, you know, and enough staff sometimes to do that, you know, and, and that is a huge problem. You know, it's, it's the education system is not the best. And so, you know, to be able to assign one person per disabled special needs kid is sometimes not possible. You know, it just, it's just not. And that's where, that's where everything fails. That's the problem. Perfect. And thank you for addressing that, Catherine, and just breaking it down for, for me to understand. And if you could talk directly right now to a school administrator, a superintendent, some teachers or whatnot, um, solely on school inclusion and some things that will help in this area, what are five tips you would like to give them that are brief that they should consider? Yeah, well, one basic one is just accessibility. 
uh, you know, ramps, elevators, um, uh, you know, door openers, uh, bathrooms. That's a huge one. And that was always a huge one for me in school was accessible bathrooms. Um, and then just kind of what I just said, include these kids as much as you can in with the regular population of kids, you know, just try to get them in the classrooms or, or, you know, if it's kids that maybe mentally have some issues, put them in the PE classes. They can do the physical stuff. Um, five tips. That's a lot of tips. <laughs> or you could stop there. I just want just to give them some general some general tips that they can consider just so they can ensure that they are taking in school inclusion for all children, no matter if they're in a wheelchair, if they're mentally challenged, or they have some form of able-bodiedness, because I know some people like to be yeah. referred to as able-bodied versus disabled, or yeah. so just really be thinking of that from a holistic standpoint to make sure that we really are doing a better job when it comes yeah. to inclusion, because that is a part of DEIMB, diversity, equity, inclusion, and also making sure they belong and they feel yes. seen and heard. Yes, and you know, along with that, I think, probably the most important tip I could give is to listen to the kid and listen to the parents because you know what will happen is and this happens to me or this happened to me many times where you go into a meeting about the accommodations I would need or or even a meeting with medical professionals and they say well you have this disease this is what you need and that's just not that's not how it works I mean I've been living with this disease for 33 years, I know what I need, you know, and my parents know what I need and they knew what I needed as a child. And, you know, we would have to argue for a lot of, a lot of the accommodations I got because the school just, they just didn't understand it. They would try to stick to certain protocols, which I, which are useful, but at some point you've got to think outside the box a little bit, you know, for each individual kid. And so I think listening to the to the people who are actually living with the disease or um, disability or whatever you want to call it that's the most key thank you for sharing that Catherine and we're going to jump into the CTA part of the segment which is the call to action what is your call to action for the audience once they hear your topic on school inclusion what is it that you want them to do well, I mean, for educators, exactly what I just said. You know, I mean, the tips I just said. For people just in general, and, and this goes outside of school inclusion. This goes uh, into just inclusion in general. One of, the, one of the things that drives me the most crazy is when somebody assumes something about me in public just by looking at me, and they've never met me. And they usually assume... I'm a child, or they assume I'm mentally disabled. Um, sometimes they assume I'm deaf. I don't know why. Apparently, a wheelchair equals deafness. I, I don't understand. Anyway, um, and you shouldn't do that. <laughs> that. That shouldn't happen. And a lot of times, people will walk up to me and whoever's with me and start asking my aid questions, like, how old is she? What's wrong with her? You know, all those things, and I'm right there and perfectly capable of answering them myself. Um, so I think 
you know, don't stare in public. It's things like that, like very basic. Um, people in wheelchairs are still people. <laughs> and they, we, generally speaking, we don't bite, you know? So yeah, I don't, at least. Um, not most days, anyway. So, you know, you could walk up to me and ask me a question, and I would be totally fine with that. And most people like me will tell you the exact same thing. And so I think, I think try to get over the fact that we look different and that we might function a little bit differently and, and just treat us like people. Absolutely. And that part made me choked up because my dad actually got paralyzed from the waist down, mm. um, going through his medical negligence. And sometimes when he, when I brought him home for, um, home health, I would take him around like the neighborhood or like he would want to go out and do some of the things that he did before he got paralyzed. And one person said, oh, you could wait outside the store. We'll get the stuff that he needs as if he couldn't go in the store with his wheelchair and get what yep. he needed. So when you mentioned that, like tears started to fall in my eyes because I'm like, they didn't treat him like this when he was able to walk. It was only when he got you know, screwed up in the hospital three days after going in where, when he was paralyzed from the waist down. So I'm just going to be very frank and blunt here is never make an assumption because you make an ass out of you and I, and it was just so heart wrenching just to see my dad go through that. And I didn't know how he felt or whatnot. So thank you for addressing that, Catherine. And plug your contact information, um, your website, and where do you primarily hang out on social media? Sure. So my website is kakartnola.com. And you can actually get to all of my uh, social media from there. But it is um, mo mostly I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I do have LinkedIn. I do have YouTube. I try to update those. I'm, I, I'm confessing that I'm not as good on those. Um, but Facebook and Instagram, you can definitely find me on there. And then I have an Etsy store that you can get to also from my website that has all of my art and my homeware products and my jewelry designs. So you can always go check that out from my website. Amazing. And there you have it, folks, Catherine uh, Clematis. All of her contact information will be in the show notes and that's how you could reach her. Make sure you like, comment, follow, and subscribe subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms and you can see the video to this recording on our YouTube channel by going to Gems with Genesis Omar's Kemp. And lastly, but not least, thank you for supporting the mission and the brand. We are looking for brand sponsors. If you're interested, space is limited, but you can find more info by going to my website, genesisomarskemp.net or sending me a personalized email to genesisamariskemp at gmail.com to learn more information where you'll see that this show is ranked in the top 2% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com. Until the next segment, next episode, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at 
GEMS, G-E-M-S, WIT, W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.